Welcome to the Global Mission Awareness Podcast, where the last command of Jesus is our first priority, to bring the good news to the least, last, and lost. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I am so thrilled to be able to take a few moments and uh, talk actually about a subject that means a lot to me. And we're going to talk a little bit about covenant relationships. Uh, there are many different types of relationships. There's some contractual relationship where you scratch somebody's back and they scratch your back and uh, perhaps you pay somebody and they do something back again for you and it is. And then there is some convenient relationship. And uh, there's a lot of convenient relationship out there. So when it is convenient, you have relationship. But then there's something very special that is in the Bible, but it can also be experienced of course, within marriage, but also even beyond marriage. And it is something called covenant relationships. And the reason I want to focus on that this week is because this week is a very special week. And I'm going to uh, take uh, the next some 20 minutes and share a little bit about some of the life lessons of something that took place a little over 12 years ago. But let me start by sharing the story that many of you have heard in Year 2000, I had a baptism of love experience, became a son. Jack Taylor became my spiritual father. I've already shared that story. But over the next five years, I was operating with sonship and had an apostleship and leadership and stewardship and friendship. So many different ships. And then the story is on December 2nd, 2005, all the ships got shipwrecked. And the only one that survived was sonship. I'm just using that to help a few of you that have not heard that story. The next five months, I went through a season of transition. Some people call it the dark night of the soul, meaning that there was a season where everything became black, dark, and you couldn't see, you couldn't hear. Nothing made sense. Another word to describe it is the molting eagle. It's like an eagle loses its feathers, loses its vision, not able to soar any longer, and you're there alone. And it was one of the hardest moments of my life. It was a season of transition. And I know that there is a lot of people that are in the middle of a season of transition in your life. It looked like you were going from glory to gory instead of from glory to glory. But that's just sometimes what the wilderness looks like. A season where it seems like everything is dying. A winter season where it seems like everything is, seems to be frozen over and nothing is surviving in that season. I'm saying that then to set up the stage by May 2006. So as I'm saying, this process started December 2nd, 2005. But almost five months into this season, uh, I had been invited to go with my dear friend Bill Johnston and Randy Clark to go and do a healing school at Hosanna Lutheran Church in Lakeland, Minnesota. And it was one of those moments in your life where to be honest with you, I just, I just did not know if I was ready because of the long season I had had. Uh, but the presence of God had just come back and I was super sensitive. Right before, after 11 years of opiates and pain medication, <clears throat> I had been off medication for about five years. And I ended up with all the medication because of all the surgeries. So this was a very difficult time when my body was sensitive, my spirit was sensitive, a lot of it was sensitive. 
but to, to, to be there with my dear friend Bill and Randy was a tremendous honor. And I remember clearly the Holy Spirit talked about me, not talking about my strengths, but share some of my weakness, some of the things I had just been through. During this event, uh, there was a small group of Asians that wanted to have a meeting with me. And part of the reason is they had also been working in, in the Muslim world and Hosanna Lutheran Church sponsor for them to come. And uh, <clears throat> in this meeting, we were sitting around and just introduced ourselves. They were also attending this large, large event where you have probably several thousand people, but they were just a small group of people sitting there and they were so, so hungry. And then I remember so clearly when I was just sharing some of my story, some of my testimony, and then eventually even showed a video from Pakistan, that group of Asians just says, can you pray for us? And I remember very clearly as I went in that circle, I can see the room in the front of me, touch him, bless him, fill him. Everybody got to touch, but it was like two of them. It was like a sledgehammer that just fell from heaven and it was just colliding. To make that story short, a little while later, two of those Filipino, one was Paul and the other one was Almira Yado. Paul and Almira, two Filipinos who had been pastors, missionaries, came there to Hosanna Lutheran Church. They were pretty much... They were hungry, they were uh, desperate, they, they were just, it's kind of to the end of their rope where they were just realizing we, we need something more. And then in that meeting, when they showed me the hands, oil was flowing out of the hands. It was amazing. That's a sign that makes you wonder, signs and wonders. Later on at the hallway at Hosanna Lutheran Church, the same two people, as a group of people had just come up to ask me to sign something or bless them or pray for them. These two Filipino, which I then got to know as Paul and Amir, they came up and said, would you consider to father us? And, and I can be honest with you, at that moment, I, I was just struggling to survive myself. I was just learning how to be a son. But I felt the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give him a father's blessing. And if you do answer and say yes, do not treat them differently than your own children. I released a father's blessing and something happened and they have described that, but something shifted in their life, but I didn't realize something is about to shift in my life in a way that I had never dreamed or thought about or imagined. I will never be the same as a result of what took place that day. I gave him a father's blessing <clears throat> and later on prayed for hundreds of people throughout the next couple of days. I went to Seattle and in Seattle, I got this invitation that everybody would have dreamed of. This would have been what we call the, the home run of Christian ministry. If you say yes here, you have favor everywhere. And I felt the Holy Spirit just whispered to me and says, Leif, I want you to say no. And I can be honest, it was one of the hardest no I've ever said because this would have been kind of a, your dream coming true. It's almost like winning the lottery and the next moment saying, no, I don't want this thing. It's like, oh. And when I said no, I just could feel this, but I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I felt this awkwardness, strangeness, but I knew the Holy Spirit says, I want you to say no. Just trust me, life. Say no. And then it was on Father's Day which was now in June of the same year, 2006. I got a phone call. I was actually there with my son, Leif Emanuel, and we were in Nashville area. And out of nowhere, I saw this international number that came up on my phone. And they said, 
Happy Father's Day, Daddy Leif. And I'm like, who is this? Oh, this is Paul and Amira, your new son and daughter from the Philippines. Can you come and see us? Can you come and visit us? Because we're told, we're told the rest of the Destiny family about you. And we've told them about what has happened in our life. And I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit says, Leif, you do not have time for big meetings and conferences, but you have time for family. And something clicked at that very moment. Later on in that November that year, I traveled across the world to meeting a couple of people I've only met in an event for a weekend. But something has shifted and automatically, what I didn't realize, I didn't have the language, but something took place as we spend a few days together. Covenant was taking place. It was this oneness that took place in the spirit. And I knew that we were family. It was not just a casual thing. Will I go over and see if this is working? But because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption was dealing with me. And he said, now when you travel over there uh, and they are family, I want you to treat them as family. You don't have time for big conferences and meeting, but remember your time for family. So we were just doing life together. The next few days we were eating food and we were laughing and we were actually just, we just had a blast. We did life together and it was with no hook. There was no agenda. They didn't want anything from me. I didn't want anything from them except for what we wanted. We just wanted family. Something took place during our time together where covenant came in. And covenant is something so significant. It is where you become one. It's at one moment with one another. We became one. We became one family. I remember so clearly a few days later, we ended up and they said, can you meet some of our family, spiritual family? And a group of people, I can still see the building was there. And I was sharing the message, the baptism of love, healing the orphan spirit, some of the message, and then release the baptism of love. And in the next moment, as I saw, you just saw this environment change. I remember it was like wind coming into the meeting, but something was taking place. What I didn't realize at that moment, that God gave me a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter that taught me how to be a son. They were the one actually that taught me what family looked like. And uh, a year later, I remember I came over to the Philippines and we were speaking there and these three big orange feathers was just floating over my head. And uh, about eight days after that, I got this call and, and, and said, hey, do you know what you said? Do you remember what you said, Daddy Leif, when those feathers came? And I'm talking about three large orange feathers. They just floated and floated over my head in the front of a close to 700 people. I said, I don't know what I said. And they have been later on in January, like they do every year, they have a time of prayer and fasting. So they later on took the time and listened and watched. And they say, you're saying you're moving from an organization and an institution and you're going to be a family. And when you said what family, that's when that first big orange feather came. So we've been asking, saying, what does family look like? And I still remember so clearly as we, we were just sitting around the table, some of the key leaders and like Nick and Ariel and, and Nilo and just some of the regular part of the tribe with Paul and Amir, some of their key people like we do every year. We go over and just spend time together with them and with Sophie and David, then with the next group of their leaders, just some of their spiritual sons and other, and then with a larger group of people. But now with a small group of people, I just sat there and I started to cry because I realized I had given them a seed. Now they were showing me a tree and I knew it was about to become a forest. And you may be saying, what do you mean with that? I asked them, how do you do this? 
how do you do this? And they say, this covenant, this is family. And I say, how did you, how, how did you learn this? Because I watched the way they loved one another. I watched the way they honor one another. I watched the unity they had among one another. I saw something I hadn't seen before. I saw a prototype of how heaven on earth was supposed to look like. It was supposed to look like family. And as we were looking at that, I sat there and I just cried. And I was so overwhelmed by this. And I said, how did you learn? How, how did you learn how to do this? And I said, Daddy Leif, you taught us. And I stopped for a moment, and it's a true story. I started to take notes and ask questions. I said, what did I teach you? <laughs> because I didn't know. But pretty much what they said, you came here and you gave us a seed. The three feathers came where we saw the word family that we started to pursue. And how does family look like? How was it in heaven between a father, son, and Holy Spirit? How do they honor one another between a father, son, and spirit? How are they interdependent on one another? How do they need one another as father, son, spirit? How does this look like in each one of our marriages? How does that look like? How does family look like in the way we are raising children? For the businessmen, they would say, well, how does they, then this kingdom family business look like? How do we do business from this perspective? And they had just pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And in the next moment, they were soaking and going into presence to receive clearly the blueprint from heaven. In the next moment, they were able to flesh it out. And, and within a year, I had been so overwhelmed by seeing this that in the next moment, I started to say, we, we, we need to show the rest of the world how this is supposed to look like. Because I did realizing that the kingdom is a family. And as the only way that heaven was entrusted on earth. We started a journey together. It was not just me traveling to the Philippines, but they were coming to the States. We started to do life together. They became part of our natural family. They became part of our bigger spiritual family. And in a moment, we had a few Filipinos, Paul and Amira. Some of them went with us to Africa, and we had the African call. And I remember specifically the one meeting where one of the girls, she just stood there and She's just cut herself. She has scars all over. And, and I said, Paul, I want you just to release, even at this moment. Let's just speak together. And to be able to see the picture as a father-son paradigm, just releasing and watching the scars just disappearing off her body as these creative miracles taking place. To be able to see what we got to do together. But I learned so much in that season about three specific things. Honor. The way they honor. They have taught me how to honor. And as a result of that, I brought that honor throughout the Muslim world. But they honor. They honor me not just as a father and mother, but I saw how they honor one another, how they started to honor their people. But I saw honor was one of the biggest examples that I've ever seen because honor is what love looked like. Another thing that I learned clearly during those earlier days was hunger. I remember I took Paul Yada with me to Pakistan and it was his first trip to Pakistan. It was one of those leadership meetings where I had prayed for quite a few different people and, and there was such a hunger and such a desperation. We were there with the persecuted church and that they had been going through so much so much abuse, so much pain. And I just said, Paul, okay, I've, I've prayed for all these people and there's so much more, but can you just step in here and you just start to release? We need to see healing. We need to see breakthrough. We need some creative miracles right now because the multitudes was there. And I still remember so clearly that how Paul was just standing there and it was almost to see a lamb that just stood before these people that was broken and wounded and saw healing taking place. And, 
I remember also clearly that it was one of those moments that I was, I ended up with double pneumonia. I lost my voice. It was just like one attack after the other. But I saw, first of all, how he honored me in the middle of it, but also how he prayed for me, having a spiritual son that was right there, carrying the very load. And together with the theme, he was just up there. But the big thing that I saw afterwards, I still remember when heaven just came down and the faces of the people was just shining. But to see when Paul at that moment flew back again to the Philippines and I could call him in the middle of the night and he was still up in the middle of the night, two, three o'clock in the morning. He was there in the glory realm. And I still remember there was times when I was just on the phone sitting on the other side. I was in America and he was in the Philippines. The very wave, I knew, wow, he is in the presence again. He is in the glory because I got hit with his presence. I got hit by his glory. So that's another one of those highlight moments to see that hunger, to constantly going after more. And I learned that he said that uh, next time, next time I stand before this giant of needs, if that's in the Muslim or Hindu world, I need more. I need more. I can't do it with what I have. I need more. And I just started to see that hunger and thirst for righteousness and how they were pursuing it and going after it. And, and the next time I'm seeing them, I could just see the transformation that the presence of God had on their life. And that led me to another one of those lessons that I learned, just learning how to soak. Oh, I have so many moments where I'm there in the Philippines. I remember so clearly, even when the children were younger, now David is about to go to university and, and Sophie is in high school. So they've grown up, but they were young. And I just ended up on the floor in the presence and their children came and just laid on the top of me and as children the tears was just soaking my shirt wet and they were taking me into encounters into the glory realm into that pure pure water of Bethlehem that was near the gate <clears throat> so I could just sit there with memory stone after memory stone as I'm sitting in front of this mic just sitting and reflecting over what honor looks like what hunger but also to see humility over these years destiny ministry international has become an incredible mission force and we have taken teams and we have taken so many people to coming into this family and it is like one of the people who was pretty much of a skeptic before he came in not just skeptic to family or kingdom but also skeptic to the supernatural but when he left that place the whole environment had changed in his life and he says family changed me he said and when I saw his face he was a doctor the first time he saw a creative miracle I saw his face just was lit up but the immune system was so so healthy he said that I don't even know if any disease can even live among them and that was also the very day where our team just walked into the hospital and almost emptied the hospital beds because there were so many healings and miracles. Oh, I've been just watching again and again, taking a team of 15, 20 people, taking with me over there and just watching in the very environment. What they created is such an environment. They have such a culture that literally changed the culture of our team, not based on what I was teaching or, or it was just, if I could just bring them into this environment into healthy kingdom environment. I saw the transformation and changes taking place. But the third age that I felt I just wanted to celebrate, I said honor. The way they honor is just like anything I have ever seen before. But to see the hunger, even now when they have, it's like the table is just full of food, they're still hungry for more. 
How do you maintain hunger when you have so much food? When I see there's so much revelation, I still see hunger. And the third one is also humility. I'm seeing them that at this moment, that as the Father is opening up nations of the world, seeing them as main speakers in key conferences with all, uh, all the great names that you can imagine. I've introduced them to so many world changers and history makers. But if one thing I'm hearing everywhere they're going is this very humility. And that is without his grace, without his humility, and without his humility, humility releases God's ability. So even at the moment, as I'm celebrating, I know that they are in a season. I know that Paul is fasting at this very moment, and I'm also in a partial fast together with them because we've had 12 phenomenal years. And what I'm realizing, if one can do a thousand to 10,000, what could a whole family of a church or family movement do in regard to discipling the nations of the world? I think the big lessons that we're learning here is I can say these are the three primary things that I've got from them. They've got something from me. I have something in my DNA if you get around me and you say, let me smell, you, you've been around Destiny family. And you could experience the same if you're getting around them. But now we're starting to see this incredible kingdom family movement that has spread into 22 nation. But we feel in this next season, and that's what we are pressing in for. And this is what we're asking you to press in for. True covenant relationship, true covenant friendship. I do believe that now is the time to disciple nations. Now is the time where I do believe it says, look among the nation and see what I'm doing and be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in your days. You wouldn't believe it if you were told. And I can be honest with you to say that uh, when I'm looking at the giants of the nations, I often feel overwhelmed. But when I'm looking at some of those relationships that God has brought together, today I'm celebrating Paul and Almira. But there are so many other people that he has just brought together in his family. When I start to see the kind of a family of sons and daughters, of fathers and mothers, of brothers and sisters he's bringing together, then suddenly I'm seeing how small those giants are in the nation and how big God is. God is a covenant-keeping God. And when we're going to see the one billion soul harvest is coming in, it's not going to be a billion orphans, but it's going to be a billion sons and daughters. And I'm just seeing even this, this fire, the flames of love is just spreading and is spreading throughout the nations. And in the next 10 years of our life and in our season, we're targeting on the 100 most dark places in the world. And I believe that even as we saw what took place 12 years ago, when my life was changed, their life was changed. And so many of us has been changed because of that change. I believe that God is raising up change agents for the nations. Culture shapers is going to be raised up in this season as we see an acceleration of people that are finding their place at the king's table. One little picture, and I'm going to land this podcast. One of the stories that I shared about 12 years ago is the story of Mephibosheth. We know that story. It starts there in 2 Samuel 4.4. But even as I'm thinking about this week, it was one of the first messages I shared with Paul and Amira. But the story is that King David, he's just standing there and he's looking at the palace. He's looking at the kingdom. He's looking at now what has become at least 10 times larger than when King Saul was king. And David is up there. He's just looking at all the blessings and all the favor, everything that God has done. And he's just being so overwhelmed by gratitude. And then it says in 2 Samuel 9, 1, is there not anyone 
for the sake of Jonathan that are still left because I want to show him kindness. I want to show him kindness. I want to bless him. And we know this story, how King David sent out and said, well, there's someone, there's someone there. He was related to John. It was actually his son. His name is Mephibosheth. <coughs> Mephibosheth is actually in Lodabar, meaning the barren place. Mephibosheth means somebody that brings shame. And David said, but where is this son? Where is this son? And you will see this picture of, as David tells Zeban, you can see the limousines goes into the projects and going into Lodabar, the burying place. Find this crippled person. Mephibosheth, he's, he, he's living there, and that's all he knows is Lodabar. Now there's one thing to get him out of Lodabar, the burying place, but it's also to get Lodabar out of him. And then eventually it is this beautiful journey how the king is restoring everything that he had that came as a result of the fall. Everything that he had that came as a result of the fall. He restored everything that his granddaddy Saul had, everything that his dad Jonathan. But then here's the picture from 2 Samuel 9, but verse 12. The Bible says, and here is where I feel it's a beautiful picture, even describing this week, describing something as you are listening to this. What the Bible says that Mephibosheth was seated there at the king's table as one of the king's sons. I want you to see this incredible table where the king is sitting at a table. Mephibosheth, he could have his own chefs because the king had restored everything. Mephibosheth, he could have everything that he could imagine. Michelin restaurant, everything he could imagine back then he could have because the king had restored that. But it was something that was even greater from Mephibosheth. Day by day he came and he sat at the king's table. And my friend Bill Johnson, he just described, I saw a little clip where he described when you're coming to the king's table, this very table covers over your lameness, your weakness. It covers over all the area that was affected by the fall. And I'm just saying that even as a prophetically speaking, that there is many people that God is taking out of Lodabar. There's other people God is bringing Lodabar out of them. But I believe what he has done with us as a kingdom family is that we have found our place, first of all, with King Jesus as his table. But we have also found our place as we're looking at one another. There is a family table to cover over our weaknesses. And when you look at each other, we're just seeing sons and daughters of a king. And when we can see the face of the king, we can see our face. And the way we look at everybody else changes. When we can start to be together with a king and have intimacy, with a king something starts to change in our environment and we can have intimacy with one another when we're hearing the king's voice just even as he's speaking at the family table suddenly we're going to be a prophetic people and we're going to decree and declare what our king has to say this season is not just for the king to restore the things that has been taken away from us i believe this was part of my destiny and this is part of what happened with paul and almira including in my life so many of the things in my life is being restored back of what the enemy took from me now God is restoring back but I believe what is ahead of us is that we are all finding a place at the family table where we have our identity where we have the intimacy we are living from inheritance and we're stepping into our destiny as sons and daughters of a king together with a king and together as a family around a family table that covers over our weaknesses, our lameness, and we're finding that unity at the king's table. And then we're going to go to Lodabar and bring in the multitudes that is just looking to be actually coming back home. 
That's the beautiful picture. So I just celebrate you, Paul, Almira, Destiny, family. It's been 12 years on May 26th, 12 years since our life was knit together. And through covenant relationship, we've seen a tsunami wave of love that is touching the nation. This is just the beginning. We're seeing there is more. God bless you and thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To stay connected till next time, find us at globalmissionawareness.com. Thank you.